At Christmas, then, we celebrate the God who has brought his presence into our present. He has come to meet with us exactly where he finds us this evening. And we know that his presence makes all the difference to us. That's really been the theme of the sermon series that we've worked through this, this month, that God has brought his presence into our present, and his presence makes all the difference. Our God is the God who loves to show up at surprising times and in surprising ways in order just to be good to his people. We saw him do this with Abraham appearing in the fiery torch. We saw him do this with Moses appearing in the burning bush. We saw him do this for for all of Israel as he appeared in the pillars of cloud and and fire. We saw him appear to three friends as their faith was tested in that fiery furnace. We saw him appear to Gideon as he was timid and cowered in that wine press. Our God is the God who loves to show up at surprising times and in surprising ways in order to be good to his people and friends We believe he'll do the same again tonight. We believe he will do the same again tonight. And we believe his presence will make all the difference to us. We know, don't we, that someone's presence can make all the difference? As we celebrate with friends and and family, or perhaps as we feel the sting of loneliness that this season can bring, we know that someone's presence can make all the difference. I had a a humorous reminder of this truth last week. So if you come to our church, you know that I am the least practical man in the history of impractical men, right? But we decided, foolhardy, that we were going to do our basement up. So we did some things that were easy, painting and having other people put carpet down. But then we also took on some, some tricky challenges. We, we built a kind of built-in entertainment center. And we installed some cabinets and a wine fridge. And it's all, it's all very nice. And this project went shockingly well. Okay? Uh, shockingly well. It was therapeutic. It was even fun. And there were no disasters or so I thought. Last week, the project had sort of wound its way up and it was time to tie up those loose ends. And so I borrowed a truck from a friend in order to return some tools to another friend, including this massive table saw. Now, have you seen a table saw? It's called a table saw because it's the size of a table. And it's made out of metal and the thing weighs a ton, right? And it was time for me to take this back to my friend. Well, I arrived home a week ago on Thursday evening. Now, I don't know if you remember Thursday night, but it was, the, it was freezing that night. It was the night, it was, it was 17 degrees, okay? But I was a man on a mission. Here was my plan. Point one, I was going to go and get a workout in. Point two, I was going to return this table saw to my friend. So off I go, run upstairs, put my shorts on, mistake number one, okay? <laughs> go back downstairs, outside, feel a bit of a chill, and kind of wrestle this table saw into the back of a truck. And this thing's huge and heavy, and I kind of felt like I'd done my workout by the time I got it in, but you know, off I went to the gym, uh, left the gym kind of sweaty and wet in shorts, and kind of shivered my way to the truck, and, and jumped in the truck, and thought, right, off to my friend's house. Well, I'm about five minutes away from his house, no more than five minutes away from his house, and I come to a red light, and I stop, and I've got to turn right, and so I'm waiting there. Light changes, I pull off, I begin to accelerate, and I hear a noise. I look up in my rearview mirror, and I just see this table saw flying through the air, and then bouncing in the middle of this busy street and just shrapnel everywhere, okay? Now, at this point, 
adrenaline kicks in, right? I fly down the street, I pull a U-turn, I fly back up the street, definitely not obeying all speed limits. I pull over, um, I put the hazard lights on, and I jump out of the car, and I'm kind of waving people down. People are kind of swerving around the saw that's in the middle of the road. Uh, it's, you know, it's pitch black, of course, and I kind of wade out into the middle of the road and just like haul this big metal thing into the median. Then I have to make you know, several more trips because there's like bits and pieces of it all over the place. And so I get back to the median, and um, I put all these things back in the truck. Now, thankfully, the saw had like broken into two parts. Right? So it was like much easier to, to, to get it in there. <laughs> and uh, as I placed this second part in, I was thinking, oh, how am I going to explain this to my friend? Right? And then I'm also thinking, suddenly like, it's like the adrenaline just dissipated, and I start to feel cold. Right? It's 17 degrees. I'm in shorts. I make my way back to the truck at the door. I'm about to get in. I grab the handle. It's locked. <laughs> the keys are on the inside. In my adrenaline-fueled haze, I'd pulled up, thrown it in park, jumped out. Sucker is running with me on the outside, keys on the inside. Right? At this point, I reach down to my pocket and remember two things. First of all, I remember, I'm in shorts. Right? <laughs> Secondly, I remember, my phone is on the inside. <laughs> So I'm kind of pacing back and forth, thinking, uh, what, what am I going to do here? And so, you know, I, I, like, I try all the doors and windows like three or four times, you know, kind of like maybe this time it won't be locked. No, still locked, right? So I'm, I'm kind of like trying to come up with a plan, and I'm not really sure what, what I'm going to do. And then this car full of high schoolers pulls up, right? And one of them leans out the window and says, dude, are you okay? And I was like, good evening, young sir. <laughs> No, I am not okay. <laughs> right? And so, great, great kid, great, great bunch, bunch of kids. Uh, he lends me his cell phone, and so I call Rosie, my wife. And I call her because she's the only number I have memorized. You know? Like, who memorizes numbers anymore? I, literally, I thought through my options. I could call Rosie 911 or NPR because they've had their fundraising drive that week. Right? <laughs> Something, and okay, well, Rosie's my best bet. So, here we go, call Rosie. Uh, switch scenes, Rosie is uh, at the kids' school sitting through a concert. Okay? Phone, phone feels her phone buzz. She picks it up, looks at it, doesn't recognize the number and hangs up, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I leave an epic message. Okay? Uh, long and the short of it was, everything's fine, I'm okay. However, I need you to call Chris. That's my friend whose truck I'd borrowed. I need you to call Chris and have him bring the spare key to this junction. And P.S., you have to be quick because I'm in shorts and it's 17 degrees. Okay? So, hang up, message done. High schoolers have to leave, so off they go. Big help, big help to me. And I start to kind of pace back and forth again, trying to think through, you know, what, what, what are my options here? What, what am I, I going to do? And eventually, I just desperately hope that Rosie gets the message and calls Chris and, and he appears. Uh, to cut an already long story a, a little shorter, I pace back and forth for a, about 15 minutes more, um, and uh, eventually I, I see a car pulling up towards me. Now, this isn't the first car. Lots of cars have pulled up and just blown right by me, okay? Northern Virginia, no good Samaritans, okay? <laughs> Group of high schoolers were my best hope for that night, right? Um, but eventually, this car pulls towards me, and as it gets near me, 
it slows down. And then as it gets nearer still, it pulls over, comes to a stop, and out jumps Chris, my friend, with a spare key. Now, at this point, I've been outside in 17-degree weather for about 45 minutes. Can you imagine what his presence did to me? To me, he was like a burning bush. <laughs> he was like a pillar of fire, right? He was like an angel in a fiery furnace. Uh, stuck in the cold, Chris brought his presence to me, and his presence made all the difference. Now surely, friends, that's what Christmas is all about. If you look in your worship guide at our, our text that we read, underline two, two of the lines that are in there. First of all, the very first words of John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. God has brought his presence to us. Then verse 16, you see it there, from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. His presence makes all the difference. Now, in Greek philosophy, this term, the word, the word became flesh, referred to reason. It referred to an impersonal principle that, that governed the universe. But the Bible uses this term, the word, not to refer to something impersonal and vague, but to refer to someone personal and concrete, even Jesus. He is the word in the sense that he gives expression to and reveals to us the heart and thoughts of God. He does this, we read, by becoming flesh. This is the, the mystery of the incarnation, that in that manger lies God and man, two distinct natures in one person forever. And he has come, we read, to dwell among us. It's an interesting phrase in the original languages in that it literally says that he has come to pitch his tent among us. Come to pitch his tent. We know that in the Old Testament, God met with his people in a tent. It had, been, it had been built at his command that there might be a place for him to dwell with them. The bright cloud of his presence would descend upon it and his glory would fill it. It would be the visible manifestation of his presence with them. But here now in Christ, we see that God has chosen to dwell amongst his people, to bring his presence to us in a much more personal and intimate way. At Christmas, he has come in Jesus. God has brought his presence to us, and his presence makes all the difference. You see it there in verse 16? From his fullness, from his fullness, so from all the divinity and humanity of Christ, from all his character and attributes, from all his grace, from all his truth, from his fullness, we have received grace upon grace. We've received grace, and then we've received some more grace. We've received unmerited favor, and then we've received some more unmerited favor. It's as if one course is barely finished before he is bringing another, each one more sumptuous than the last. His presence makes all the difference because his presence brings grace. And are we quick to, to get that wrong? 
to, to conceive of God as this entity in the sky. And you have to make your way toward him by being good, not being bad, by being nice, not by being naughty, that, that good people can make their way to him. But Christmas says you can't make your way to him, so he made his way to you. Not to condemn, not to scold, not to mete out punishment, but to give grace so that we can all be saved. Even people who haven't been good. Even people like me. Even people like you. His presence makes all the difference because his presence brings grace. Today in Syria, I'm sure you know Innocent civilians, men, women, and children. People just like you and I, only born in a different place under the providence of God, are suffering through the brutality of a horrendous civil war. And they are dying, paying the highest price as innocent civilians in this conflict. Biggest killer of civilians in Syria just now? Bombs. Bombs that are dropped by their own government and her allies. Many of these are rusty old barrels that have been filled with nails and explosives, and they're simply rolled out the back of government helicopters to devastate the people below. Some of these bombs kill instantly as shrapnel rips through flesh and bone. Some of them, though, are more sadistic and kill slowly. Why? Because they obliterate apartment buildings. They obliterate the homes that these people are are living in, leaving the victims trapped to suffocate under a mountain of debris. Now, when this happens, when these apartments and buildings collapses, there's a group of Syrian volunteers. You may have heard of them. They're known as the, the White Helmets. And they rush into the rubble. They rush into the dust and the debris in order to search for life. The victims are, of course, literally buried. Sometimes all the white helmets here is a a muffled cry coming from within mounds of dirt and concrete. Sometimes when they arrive, they'll just see fingers poking up through the dust, a limb, some hair, perhaps. And when they see these things, whenever they can, they kick into action with crude tools and bleeding hands. They dig in order that they might save some. Some like a little boy. You might have seen his picture in the news. When they arrived, all they saw was a leg sticking out from the rubble. As they began to dig, the leg led to a hip, which led to a torso, which led to a face, which let out a cry when he was freed from the debris. In pain, harmed, yes, but alive. Saving some like the young newlywed, you might have seen her interviewed on TV this week as well, married for only 10 days when her apartment building collapsed. Her husband didn't survive. After hours, they found her. After many hours more, they freed her. In pain, yes. Broken, yes. Scarred, yes. But alive. Also, some, like Syrian journalist Hadi al-Abdullah, he was freed after being buried by his apartment building. Listen to his words. He says, Without me hearing an explosion, there was stone and steel on top of me, and I couldn't move any of my limbs. Then... The white helmets arrived. 
When I heard the sound of their bulldozer, I started to feel that I might live. Slowly, stones and bricks and rubble were removed, and the weight began to lessen upon him, and just hearing their voices gave him hope until he said, I was able to breathe. It was difficult to open my eyes, but I opened them a little, and I saw wearing their white helmets. I was so happy that I was out of the rubble, broken, in pain, scarred, but saved. Now, many of these rescuers, many of these white helmets do pay the ultimate price for their efforts, sometimes from falling debris, of course, but also sometimes from falling bombs. The government forces will wait after an attack until a crowd has gathered before coming with a second or third wave of bombs and destruction. So far, 154 white helmets have been killed doing their work, and yet they have saved nearly 80,000 souls. 80,000 souls from the rubble. When the earth shakes, the white helmets come, and their presence makes all the difference. And friends, this again is the message to us of Christmas. That we can't make our way to God, that our sins have left us out in the cold, our sins have left us buried in the rubble, and so our God has made his way to us. Seeing our plight, he has made his way toward the wreckage. And his fate is the same as the 154. It was a crude cross and bleeding hands that were used for our salvation. Jesus has brought his presence to us, and his presence is what makes all the difference. And so at Christmas, we ask, have you had a close encounter with this Jesus? Have you had a a close encounter with this Jesus? Do you recognize that, yeah, You've left yourself out in the cold. You've left yourself buried in the rubble, and there's nothing you can do. You need someone from the outside to come and save you, and that he has come to do just that. And tonight, he offers you forgiveness. Tonight, he offers us freedom and joy and purpose in this life and eternal life in the life that is to come. And his price is free. All we have to do is believe. If you have had a close encounter with this Christ, if you would call yourself a Christian, then tonight we celebrate. We may be in pain. We may be broken. We all have scars. But we're all saved. Saved from the cold and saved from the rubble because the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. My prayer for myself, my prayer for us all this evening is that God would give us the grace to have this close encounter with Christ, that this truly might be the merriest of Christmases. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, the good news of Christmas We're out in the cold, we're stuck in the rubble, we can't make our way to you, so you have made your way to us. 
and you welcome us into the warmth of your love, and you free us from the rubble of our sin, and you give us hope for this life and the life that is to come. This is something worth celebrating. And so we do just that together. In your perfect name, amen.